Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts carol g juan gabriel christina aguilera what do these three have in common you mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Maddox is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. The football season is coming, and there's no better place to start making every moment more than with FanDuel. I just downloaded the FanDuel app a couple of months ago when it became legal in New York, and I have been having a blast with it. You guys know I'm a big boxing guy. I've been trying to make you all rich with some of these picks, but I've been betting on them. I've been hitting, and I've been enjoying my time with the FanDuel Sportsbook app. They have great odds and markets for the NFL and college football futures, the MLB, PGA Tour, tennis, boxing, and so much more. Awesome new and existing user promotions. It is America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast, which I know matters to everybody. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay, and you can discover the most popular SGPs each day right when you log in. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so they know I sent you. Promo code BOXING so they know I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. So glad you could squeeze me in to this podcast. Hey, listen, it was between you and a pedicure. So I decided you. How many times a week do you get a pedicure? A month to get a pedicure? Uh, not often. Not, not as much as I should. I, I mean, say this all the time, Sergio Mora. Back again, DAZN broadcaster, former junior middleweight champion. But for someone that grew up with nothing, you like the finer things more than anyone I know. Bougie Mexican started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Yeah. Uh, for context here, uh, I asked Sergio to do this podcast in person. I'm in Southern California this week, and uh, I get a 
response from him that sounded a little something like this. All right, man, I'm squeezing your podcast, but I got a busy day, bro. Busy day. You know, I'm day trading right now. Market's doing well, so, you know, I can actually allow a little bike ride right now around the neighborhood. But uh, I got to wash my Jeep. Um, you know, I got to hit some golf balls because my, my game is kind of suffering. But, uh, yeah, I'll squeeze in your podcast 3 p.m. Uh, I will be there prepared. But, yeah, you're just throwing something else on my already full list. You know, I got a laundry list of a lot of um, hobbies I got to take care of. You're lucky, uh, you're lucky you're paying me for this. <laughs> your idea of a busy day is bike riding, car washing, and golf ball, golf ball hitting. And day trading. We got to make money. And today was a good day in the market, baby. <laughs> You're Great the, day in the market. You should not, you don't check the market every day. I like, check it every day because I'm a, I'm a part-time day trader, Mannix, okay? Hashtag Apple, hashtag Marriott, hashtag Costco. These are all my stocks and doing well. I'm glad you're doing well. All right. A lot to get into on this podcast. A lot of news this week to touch on. But first, Sergio, I want to look back to last week when we were both ringside in Fort Worth, Texas. Virgil Ortiz picks up his 19th win, collects his 19th knockout, sees the ninth round for the first time in his career, albeit only for a couple of seconds, against uh, Michael McKinson. Uh, he now wins and moves on. What did you think of Virgil Ortiz's performance coming after a one-year layoff with a new voice in his corner in Manny Robles? First, we got to give McKinson some credit because, look, we knew that he he didn't have enough to win, but he showed heart. He showed grit. He was trying to find a way to 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 make it difficult and ugly for uh, Virgil, and he, he kind of did, but he wasn't winning rounds. And and that's what we talked about in our in our last podcast: is how is he going to win rounds, or is he going to be able to win rounds? And obviously, the question was no he was just able to you know really show courage heart and you know go more rounds than anyone else did uh but i just think virgil ortiz with his new team he's 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 molding nicely manix he's molding nicely into the same killer he was uh, I would like to see more jabs. I would like to see less voices in the corner. You know, there was his father, his Manny Robles. Uh, there was like three three voices in his corner. But mm. um, that's all the things that you need to work on with chemistry, and they will. But whether he looked impressive or not, absolutely. But that's what happens when you transition from your day one to someone new. You have to build that chemistry. And that's what they're doing with Manny Robles. And it shouldn't take, you know, more than two or three fights. Just like with Ryan Garcia, you know, with uh, with Goosen. It only took two fights to see Ryan Garcia and, and it's back to his old ways. Yeah, one thing I learned in that fight is that Virgil Ortiz Sr. is the head trainer of that operation. Um, even though you're right, there were a lot of voices talking in that corner. It was pretty clear that Virgil Sr., was the head guy. You bring in Manny Robles. He's there to help. Um, you you have a couple other voices there, but Virgil Sr. is the head trainer and probably will be the head trainer moving forward, which is fine. He trained his son all the way up until the union with Robert Garcia. Now that Robert Garcia is out, Virgil Sr. is going to be taking the lead role uh, with Virgil Jr. And I don't, I, I thought he had a good game plan going in. Even yeah. Virgil in the ring was telling me like my father had the right game plan. I was just not listening to it. He was out there trying to headhunt Michael McKinson, and McKinson is very difficult to beat that way because he's slippery, he, he's got a decent chin, uh, he knows how to avoid and how to tie up. The body was where Virgil needed to go, and then towards the end of that eighth round, 
He just hits McKinson with a picture-perfect shot right on the hip. Is that legal, by the way? Is the hip considered legal? If the referee's on the right-hand side and you do it on the left-hand side, it's totally legal. He didn't see it. Bernard mm. Hopkins used to do that all the time. Uh, but technically, no, it's not legal. Oh, okay. But there's, I didn't but, know there's, that. but there's a lot of things you can do uh, when when the referee's on the other side, and we get away with it all the time. If he doesn't see it, we got away with it. I mean, that was clearly it was considered a body shot, but it was a hip shot because referee didn't see it. No, so I, it was I a body not, shot. and I agree. Look, you, you you do whatever you can do within the bounds of of the game. Um, but I thought it was crazy that Virgil hit McKinson with a shot in the end of the eighth round, and then at the start of the ninth. Hits him literally in the exact same spot that just crumbles him down to the canvas once again. I think if Virgil had not hit him in that spot, McKinson might have been able to survive maybe the distance of that fight. Only four rounds to go. He looked like he was in good condition. I just think Virgil, to his credit, went out there, looked for that exact same shot, and landed it. So good for him. That showed growth and, um, I think... Uh, an ability to follow the game plan that his father and his team set out. And he still got the knockout. So, yeah. you know, he's still, you know, a 100% knockout ratio is still intact. And even though he, he, he says and acts like it doesn't matter to him, it does matter because it looks great on a, on his resume and it looks great promoting the next fight. Um, only him and better be two boxers in the whole world are the only ones with a hundred percent knockout ratio. Well, two boxers that actually are, you know, contenders and champions. Uh, that's impressive. So to keep that, that's how you market your next fight. And by marketing and keeping that 100% knockout ratio, you know, you, you get more money. You can demand more in, on the negotiating table. So that's a great, great uh, thing to have on, on your, uh, on your uh, belt, a notch on your belt. Uh, as far as Virgil Sr. goes, I'm a big fan of his because, you know, mostly, you know how I feel about fathers training their sons. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I do not like it for many, many reasons. I've seen so many relationships spoiled over boxing and I don't like it. But, you know, Virgil does a great job of being the, the, the alpha, being the man, being the father, but then allowing someone else to get involved and, and, and do the training as well. Kind of like Devin Haney. His father does, you know, I think, you know, Devin Haney's father does the exact same thing. He goes to whatever boxing trainer is going to bring out the best to his son. And it's everywhere around the country. I don't care who the voice is, but I'm the man. I'm the voice. You're going to give the game plan. You're going to train my son, but come fight night. It's my voice or the highway. And I think that's where I think Virgil Sr. should have, uh, you know, planned with Manny. But these are all things that are going to work on the next time around. And you can bet they're going to iron those out and they're going to come stronger the next time. Yeah, I agree with you there. So let's talk about the next time. Right now, Virgil Ortiz is the number one contender for the belt held by Terrence Crawford. Um, As we record this, there are reports that the Crawford-Spence fight is getting close Um, It's not there yet, but uh, let's just say hypothetically that Crawford Spence falls apart over money at the 11th hour and the WBO orders Virgil Ortiz against Terrence Crawford. What would you do if you're Virgil Ortiz? Well, I would... Virgil Ortiz is so ambitious. He wants to fight Bud Crawford. I mean, he's, he's stubborn about that. And I'm sure he'll fight Errol Spence. You know, and that, that fight would be a huge fight in Texas, in Dallas. It's just I would advise him not to. I would, you know, I would need to talk to his manager, Rick Merigian. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you. He'll tell you exactly what I'm telling you. No, not ready. Unless it's a obscene amount of money where we can't turn down, then of course we're going to take the fight because this is prize fighting after all. But if it's just going to be, you know, a, a $1.2 million fight, you know, one point something, I don't think it's worth it because, you know, you're going to be able to make that 
really fast and it's going to grow exponentially without Crawford, without Spence, without a blemish on your record. So I say steer clear of those names, even though you are chasing greatness, you're not ready for those names. It'll look exactly like when Canelo stepped up to fight Mayweather. He got his first blemish, but he got a $10 million payday out of it. So it was worth it. Now, if Virgil Ortiz is going to get a $10 million payday, I'll sign the contract right now. But it's you not going to be $10 million. But we know it's not even going right. to be five. But doesn't like, you know, you mentioned Canelo and Mayweather. One thing Eddie Reynoso has said and Canelo has said after that is that they're better off as a fighter from taking that fight. They learned something from that fight. They were humbled by that fight. Same thing can happen with Virgil Ortiz. And Sergio, you and I both know if the WBO orders it and it goes to purse bid, like Virgil's taking that fight. How about like, if he gets knocked out? How about if he gets physically beat down? That's the price. That's down? the way it goes. No, that's not how you learn. You don't learn through a beating. You learn through a 12 decision, a 12, 12 round decision loss. So that's what Canelo you, did. You go back and look at like, no, man, look, at, look at the one, 1980s. Look at the 1980s. One beat down can change the trajectory of your career. You, you don't want that beat down to be gambling for what if. Now, if you can guarantee me that Virgil Ortiz goes a distance with Crawford and Errol Spence, I say take the fight. But this is boxing where you're one fight, one loss away one punch away from your career going the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, but if Virgil Ortiz no. is not ready for Terrence Crawford now, when is he going to be? He faced all the gatekeepers, Sergio. He it's faced not Maurice his job. Hooker. He faced uh, uh, Agus Kavalaskis. He faced Michael McKinson. He has faced every B-level fighter potentially. Good for him, but it's not his job to be facing uh, uh, Crawford. It's Spence's job to be facing Crawford. That's what the public demands. That's the number one fight to be made in boxing. Okay, Virgil, I agree. Look, Virgil Ortiz, if, if he's able to do this and bite more than he can chew, that just shows how much balls he has. It's not his job to be calling out Crawford and Spence. That just shows you the sure audacity and the ambition okay. that this young oh, you man know, has. This is why I, we did this on jabs over on the zone, and, and I'll do it again. But it upsets here. me. Hold on, I'm not man, talking about you. You just don't understand. No, I do understand. You know why I understand? Because after you beat Vernon Forrest, what was your message to the crowd right then? Who did Oscar you call out? Oscar De La Hoya. Right. Who at that point was still one of the best in boxing. It was an all-time. And game. I didn't get it. And you didn't get it, but you called him out. So you called him out. Why is it different? Why, why is it okay for you to call out Oscar De La Hoya and Virgil Ortiz not to call out Terrence Crawford? Terrence Crawford's 34. He's not 28. He's not in the middle of the prime of his career. He's 34 years old, and he got touched in his last fight against Kavalaskis. Got touched in that fight. I was 28 years old, and I was in a different position. Virgil's what, 25? Like 24. Uh, all right. Uh, and he just turned 24 at that. Uh, but he has power, and he has a star potential. My star was already kind of like running out of shine. <laughs> your, star was, your star was burned out. Well, I was, I was about to supernova, Max. You know what that means? <laughs> yes. All right, so yeah, I, you know, I was a big red giant at that time. I was about to explode. But anyway, he's a little young star. He has a future ahead of him, and, 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 and a, a lot, a lot of you know, money to be made. And I just think he's going to take a step backwards fighting one of these guys and then forget about losing. How about if he loses badly or a beat down? You don't come back from those. You know, there's so many fighters that I left so much money on the table, but with one bad loss, even though they got back to the top, won a championship, made some good money, they still weren't the same if they would have actually made the right decision early in their career. Kel Brook is a great example. Kel Brook is a great example. He he bit off more than he can chew to step up to fight Golovkin, something he didn't have to do. But where did his career go from there? He went from undefeated, knocking people out. He left so much on the table, striving for greatness. I just don't think it's a good idea. Virgil shouldn't do it. Okay. Um, in 1981... Tommy Hearns, who I think was in his early 20s, took a pretty good beat down from Sugar Ray Leonard. He bounced back. 
That was for the welterweight title. He went on to win titles at 54. A fight that he was winning. A fight that he was winning. Okay, but he took a beatdown at the end. No, at one round, he was winning that fight. At the end. In the 14th round. Okay. All right, how about this? He was winning before that, so that wasn't a beatdown. How about this? 1985, the same Tommy Hearns fights Marvin Hagler. You want to call that not a beatdown? It was out of his range, out of his weight class, (laughs) and uh, Hagler, for God's sake, one of the greatest middleweight in all But he went on to win a light heavyweight title after that. Versus who? Uh, Please. Dennis Andres. Exactly. Forget about it. Then he fought, then he fought Aaron Barga. He lost that fight. Fought Ray Leonard again. Uh, look, they're just saying the careers don't end after one tough Okay, loss. out of the four kings, why is Hearns always the one that that people mention less? It's well, always, he's not. It's always Hagler. It's always it's Leonard. Ray, it's always Duran. It's Ray and up it's here. it's Hearn. It's not. It's Ray up here. Sadly. And then it's Sadly. Ray's above everybody else. The, the other three are kind of blumped Come in on, the same bro, mix. It's Duran. It's Duran and Leonard. And then Dur- after that, it's Hagler. Although Duran, you know, <laughs> he came back after Ray beat his, uh, you know, no moss. Yeah, but Duran was just special, you know. He, <laughs> okay, so you're saying so what you're saying is Virgil's not special, is what you're saying. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, look, if there's any luck, we'll get Virgil versus say David Avenesian. I think that's a good fight for him next because that would mean Phew, Spence yes. and Crawford. And it'll be a great be, fight for the fans. That would be that would be a physical, physical fight. Yes. That's a rock'em sock'em robot. That's type the type of fight. of fight where that puts you on the next level where you can, might be ready for the the, the bigger names, but Avanisian's dangerous. I agree. All right, let's look ahead to this weekend. On Saturday, Teofimo Lopez makes his return to the ring. He will be moving up to 140 pounds to fight Pedro Campa. Lopez was last seen in the ring against George Cambosis last November. Lost a lost a decision. Uh, was it unanimous? I think it was unanimous. Lost a unanimous decision. Um, in the aftermath of that, he dealt with some medical issues. He dealt with a broken hand. Um, now he's back in the ring at 140. The takeover, Sergio, has become the take back. Uh, what are your expectations for Lopez at 140 pounds? I want to say it was a split decision, but either way, yes, it was a clear loss. And I love this move because we know that he was a big 135-pounder. The biggest 135-pounder I've ever seen, by the way, in Teofimo Lopez. And, uh, you know, he know he knows what it's like to have overnight success. Your life changes. Everyone wants your picture, knows your name. You get the big money. And then you have a, a just a, a, another loss and you get everything taken away from you. He's popular enough. He's, he's still great enough to do something big at, at 140. And he has a size to do it at 140. And he has... Monsters at the 140 division. You got, you know, you got Taylor, you got Progray, you got Tank, you got Garcia. I mean, that's going to be the next popular decision, you know, from the lightweights. Now it's going to be 140. So he's going to be fitting nicely at 140 where, you know, there's going to be a lot of money on the table. And he's, and he's going to be, he's going to be happy that he hasn't, doesn't have to shed down that weight. His size still going to be, uh, you know, he's still going to be big enough, but he's not going to be shedding those extra pounds. A lot of money be made, man. And if he has his head right, like he says, his, his, his head is right, he's going to be probably the name I would favor over all of them. But his head has to be right. His camp has to be right. Um, and his training, of course, because, uh, you know, you don't want these injuries. You don't want these sicknesses that he went into the ring with that he, that he said he uh, had issues with. And, of course, his father, you know, is a wild card. So maybe if they can bring someone else in that can, that can even that out, I think he has a bright future ahead of him. Now, I think the mental part of it is the most important part of Teofimo Lopez's career to this point. Sergio, you were around him like I was during the Cambosis week. That was not the Teofimo Lopez 
we had become used to the confidence and it was still kind of there, but you knew he was having problems getting down to 135 pounds. He was very open about the issues with his former wife. He had just had a baby who he hadn't seen. Like there was so much going on that I can't imagine being mentally prepared to go to war against a guy like Cambosis who looked at that fight as win or go home. It was do or die for George Cambosis. So I'm of the belief that if Teofimo Lopez is right mentally, if he's right physically, he can very quickly become the best guy at 140. Like, the talent's still there. Like, even in the ring, Sergio, like, I've, I've covered almost every Teofimo Lopez fight of his young career. Most of it live and in person. I covered him at the Olympics in Rio. That was not the same fighter. He was trying to one-punch Cambosis into the mat. Like, the Teofimo I know is a boxer puncher, somebody that, you know, hits you, moves you, and then when he gets the opportunity, just clobbers you with that big right hand. Similar to what happened with Richard Comey in their fight a few years ago. That was not the Teofimo I was used to seeing. So everything I'm hearing is that Teofimo has got his mind right. His body's going to be better at 140 pounds. Um, I think he's in a good place right now. I have lofty expectations for Teofimo Lopez. I think within the next year, He's going to be a world champion again. And I think there's a pretty good chance if his body allows him to stay at 140, that before he leaves that weight class, he'll be the undisputed champion. Because to your point, top rank is loaded in that weight class. Like they've got Josh Taylor, who has two of the belts and will probably vacate sometime next year. They've got Jose Ramirez, who's going to fight for a belt sometime next year. They have a lot of guys that they work with. So Teofimo is going to get a million opportunities at 140. A lot of money changes you. Uh, overnight success changes you. Uh, you know, on a smaller or on a different level, I went through that when I won the contender, you know, from a nobody to somebody, from insufficient funds to a million dollars. Teofimo went through that. And whenever you're a kid from the Back ghetto. Back to insufficient funds. <laughs> no way. Come on. Thanks, American Express. We had a good day today at the market, baby. Anyway. Um, Teofimo went through that. A lot of boxers go through that. A lot of athletes go through that, man. You cover a lot of basketball players. They're the ones that go broke before anyone else. Football players, too. Because they, they get a lot of money. Their life changes overnight. They don't know how to manage it. And then they start splurging. Teofimo, you know, he went through a little bit of everything. Not only personal problems, but uh, the financial problems, too. He couldn't even hire the strength trainer that got him into that great shape because he couldn't afford it. You know? Uh, so all these things come, and it's a perfect storm. But you know what? That's part of boxing. That's part of being a fighter. The, peop the reason people indirectly or vicariously live through us or, or, or admire us, whether you know, you're a lawyer or a doctor or, or whatever you are, is because you fight your own way. You fight, you get up out of bed. You fight your, you know, to, for your family. You fight you know, to, to get ahead in your job. Somehow, somewhere you're fighting. Any fighter could tell you that boxing is the easiest thing. Training is one of the hardest things, but juggling your personal life, your family life, doing all of the promotions and marketing for the fight, and then having to you know, show up for 12 rounds against like another guy that's equally as hungry, if not more hungrier. I mean, it's a lot of things to juggle. It is. Um, and, it show, and it's character that, 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 that makes it all the way through the end. Look at all the fighters that have had longevity to the end. Not only are they naturally talented, but they had character. You know, and if some guys didn't have character, they're just super talented. Or it, it was a little bit of both. But, yeah, I think Teofimo, like you said, very smart young man. Love talking to him. Love hearing his interviews. And I think he has the character. Get it back. I think he's going to be great at 140. Um, not to look past Pedro Campa, but this is a comeback fight for Teofimo. He's probably, if he's right, he's going to finish Campa in the first half of the fight. But in the last couple of days, there's been an interesting matchup floated 
for Teofimo, that being Ryan Garcia. Um, you saw Oscar De La Hoya tweet over the weekend that he was going to be in Vegas uh, for the Teofimo fight. Uh, I know, Sergio, that representatives of Top Rank and Golden Boy have spoken about a potential Teofimo against Ryan Garcia fight. Very preliminary talks right now because a lot of the same obstacles that exist between Garcia and Tank Davis in terms of networks, Are the same ones he's going to face with Teofimo. Are the same ones, though I would argue that, you know, Top Rank has done pay-per-views with Fox before. Like, that, I, I think Top Rank and ESPN might be more amenable to doing kind of a co-promotion, a co-pay-per-view with Golden Boy and DAZN than Showtime and PBC is with Tank Davis. That's my read of it right now because the Tank Davis talks have really gone nowhere at this point. I mean, Oscar, all due respect to Oscar, but he's the head of Golden Boy. These discussions are being had well below him. If a deal with Tank Davis gets done, it's because DAZN, Al Heyman, uh, Lupe Valencia, the manager for Ryan Garcia, and Showtime and Steven Espinosa decide to get a deal done. Oscar's, he's out there and he's very important in these, but he's not really involved in the day-to-day of, of these talks. Um, but what do you think though? Like hypothetically, let's say a deal can be done for Teofimo against Ryan Garcia early next year. Is that a fight you like for Ryan Garcia? Is that a fight you like for Teofimo Lopez? Is that a fight you like, period? I would rather see Garcia versus Tank. I think Teofimo will be too physically strong and big for him. I but Teofimo making his debut at 142. I, I like, get it, but I, you, I, I've seen him. I mean, mind you, Ryan Garcia did fill out nicely at uh, 140. Uh, his shoulders looked big. He looked really, he looked like a like a solid 140. But Teofimo is a huge, was a huge 135 pounder. He's still a big 140 pounder. He has these shoulders, man. I mean, it looks like he's wearing shoulder pads. Have you seen him do pull-ups? And he does them like the the, the hard way where, they, where his, uh, the back of his palm is facing you and he goes all the way to the top to like waist level this this guy doesn't do push-ups he looks like a gymnast he's that strong on his upper body and we know that he can punch it's his mind that 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 is going to be the issue but on the other on the flip side of that ryan garcia has been uh, uh on on record saying that he has issues uh with mental issues as well so i mean it's a, it's it's a problem and it's it's uh, epidemic that a lot of people are struggling with and we're going to see more and more of that in fighting but as far as what they do inside the ring when they're ready, I think Teofimo is just a wrong style matchup for Ryan Garcia. He throws more who do, punches. Who do you want to see Ryan Garcia face Tank. then? I, All, right, I, Tank. I, I, All right, but if Tank can't happen, who do you want to see Ryan? What? If he goes to 140, what's he going to do? Like, do you want to see him fight Maxi Hughes? That's what no. he's talking about. He no, and, Maxi then, Hughes. and that's, that's a fight that's going to happen anyway, so what does it matter? It does matter. You can push he's back and say it's not a good fight. Okay, it's either that or staying active. Nah, but, and look, I don't think inactivity is the right Sergio, thing to go. I'm just saying, Sergio, if it's doable. I'm all to, in for Maxi Hughes if you're Ryan Garcia. Yeah, stay busy, get Ryan another Garcia. knockout. Yes. And look, Ryan Garcia can fight Maxi Hughes if you want to in September, October, potentially. Um, but if you can make in the first quarter of next year a fight between Teofimo and Garcia, yes. do it, right? Yeah. Like, I would love to hear Tank mention Garcia's name. He does. Just, I don't just know. To he, say, I don't, I just to call him up, I would like to hear Teofimo mention Garcia's name. That way, you know, people can start believing more than 
just what Ryan Garcia and Asha Del Hoyer are saying, because they're just doing their part to, to, to promote. They can call out King Kong, but it doesn't mean King Kong's looking their way. But if these guys actually mention their name, then it's kind of like, whoa, it's real now. I would love for Teofimo Lopez to be like, hey, all right, look, after I take care of this, I'm going to I'm gonna look at your way. I'm going to make you an he offer. He will, gonna, and he does. Okay, like, and if he does it, we'll see what happens with Oscar De La Hoya and Ryan Garcia, whether they're Ryan Garcia at his press conference after the last fight said, I want to fight Teofimo. If I can't get Perfect. Tank, I want to fight Teofimo. I, I would love to see that fight before Tank. I, I, I mean, Teofimo and Garcia would be a massive Wait, fight. Wait, you want to see that instead of Tank? What do you, what no, do you, I would love to see Tank, but Tank's not happening. You just said why. The Heyman, the, the Showtime, and everything else. But Teofimo's possible. Maybe. Because Bob Arum will work with Oscar De La Hoya. He has before. Again, it's not, I mean, again, all due respect to Bob, it happens at like the Carl Moretti level. I <laughs> think this is where these <laughs> deals get done. Not to take people too far behind I the scenes you. here, but the, as you know, there are deal makers and there are figureheads right. within your company. And not to say Bob and Oscar aren't involved. Bob is clearly involved in everything that happens within top rank, but the nitty gritty gets done at the management that's level. A more, there. That's I, a more I, li- I, if that fight can happen, that to me is equally as good as Ryan and Tank. Not as popular because, you know, the fan bases of, are big between Ryan and Tank, but that's a massive fight in the first quarter of uh, 2022 or 2023, I should say. I'm going to the Teofimo fight on Saturday. You want to go? Where is it? Vegas. Ooh, ooh, maybe, maybe Saturday, sit ringside. Wait a minute. I mean, I had a good day in the market today. I'll go <laughs> blow it on roulette. All right, let's move on to a fight that is happening. Announced this week, Connor Ben and Chris Eubank are going to square off in the UK. It's going to be a fight that's at a catch weight of 157 pounds. These two obviously are the sons of Nigel Ben and Chris Eubank Sr., who had two famous fights in the early 1990s. Now you get Ben, who is a welterweight, jumping up a couple of weight classes. And you have Eubank, who has been a middleweight of late, previously a super middleweight, dropping down a few pounds to 157. Uh, Let me get your thoughts on this first. I've got a few, but uh, Connor Ben, Eubank being official, what do you make of that fight? Revenge for his father. It's marketable. It's sellable. You can put that in a in a in a stadium, and, and it's going to be popular. Retribution, O2, Mannix. Arenas, Retribution, Mannix. Redemption. I mean, it's it's revenge. Yeah, it's it's blood. It's legacy. But wasn't the second fight a draw between them? Yeah, though? <laughs> yeah, but uh, so, it shouldn't have been. Okay, uh, but um. I, lo- I love the fact that that Ben is is so confident. I love I love um, you know how he's knocking out people and former champions. Chris Eubanks is really good, very very good to beat. I mean hard to beat. Uh, but I think at, at at the point of where they're at, Connor Ben is striving a lot a lot farther, a lot faster. And I think him taking this big chance is just he's following what what uh, Kel Brook did with Golovkin bit off more than he can chew what Amir Khan did with Canelo bit off more than he can chew and those fights how'd they end not well brutal I don't see this fight ending brutal I can see it being a close loss for for Ben it wouldn't be that bad Uh, but I just think Chris Eubanks will have the upper edge not only in weight even if they are fighting at 157 or whatever it is stylistically it's a bad matchup for ben um but i love the fact that they're doing it's going to be a massive fight and 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 marketable because it's going to have the the young fans that are following this this young star now and it's going to be the old school fans from the 1990s that seen their father's fight it's gonna be a big fight so i love the fight i love this fight for chris eubank because i think he'll make 157 comfortably and this is the biggest money fight he's probably ever going to be in. Like, this is a massive payday for Chris Eubank, unlike anything he's seen, 
And unlike anything, he will see. He'll rehydrate probably 10, 12 pounds, whatever the limit's going to be. And he'll be a big man in the ring against Conor Ben. I don't really get this fight for Conor Ben. Mm-hmm. Conor Ben is still a young guy, mid-20s at this point, who's on the prospect path. Like he has been fighting the former champions, the washed up veterans, the guys that you expect a young prospect to fight. Notably, Sergio, he has not faced anyone that resembles a puncher. What can Chris Eubank do? He can punch. He can box and he can punch. Right, but he can punch. Connor Ben uh, can punch at welterweight, but he's going up against a guy that anyone in boxing will tell you has an iron chin. Like and Chris has Eubank. faced bigger fighters. Yes. George, you know, George Groves, or James DeGale. These Lost are bigger, twice, but never been stopped. Na- but naturally big super middleweights. Uh, it's going to be a problem. Weight's going to be an issue. Even the, even if Eubanks go down in weight, he's he's lean. I don't know he's really only going down three pounds. Yeah, and somebody, he's really big. I know. Somebody and, told me, somebody close to Eubank told me like, look, he easily makes that weight. And like he's, he's a natural shape. athlete. And like he's, he's just, always in shape. Yeah, but it's like kind of like natural. I don't want to compare it to LeBron, but like he is like a physical specimen. Like he just he he can do whatever he wants, and his body is going to do uh, uh, operate accordingly. So I, I'm I think this is bad news for Conor Ben. I think he, he might get hurt so bad. You, you talk with Ryan Garcia and with other guys like or Virgil Ortiz, like. This to me is almost a cash out for Conor Ben. No man, I. Just, I why, why do you think differently? Here's, You're just saying an aria about here's, Connor about here's the Virgil difference. Ortiz not facing uh, Terrence Crawford. Why is it okay for Connor Ben to face Chris Eubank? The money? The money um, is one, of course, because this, this is a business. The styles and the, the style matchup is another thing, but the maturity. That's that's the main thing I want to focus on, the maturity. You listen to Conor Ben talk. You watch him fight, and he's ahead of his years. And it's not only because of his father, and it's not only what he does in the ring, but he has this this confidence that most fighters learn on the job. Virgil Ortiz is still learning on the job. That's why he switched trainers, even though he's knocked out everybody. If he, if he, if he wasn't confident, if he's not confident in 18 and 0, you know, 18 knockouts, nothing's going to make him confident. Uh, that just goes to show you that he's not fully matured. You know, Conor Ben, on the other hand, he's a fully matured specimen of a specimen of a boxer of a fighter and i love watching him fight he's a star he's a future mega star and if he can beat eubanks maybe that's why he's doing it he's he's biting off a little bit more than he can chew but if he can actually somehow win this fight we got the next you know british canelo i you know, don't across disagree the but because he's handsome he knocks people out he's he's articulate and he can he can he can model everything from you know laptops to underwear so he's gonna be he's gonna be uh, yeah you're looking marketing you're, you're, dream you're you're doing best case scenario here and I get that but look at the opponents Conor Ben has faced in the last and the two worst plus case years. scenario he, is he loses a, a decision he won't get knocked out you don't think he gets knocked out by no. Eubank no you just said Eubank can punch yeah but he he he's not gonna get knocked out okay but look at the guys Conor Ben has faced Sebastian Formella can't punch Un- Samuel defeated. Vargas can't no he wasn't Sebastian Formella lost to uh, Sean Porter and somebody else before, one last like okay. that uh, Samuel Vargas. Not undefeated, can't punch. Chris Algieri, due respect to our friend, can't punch. Um, Chris Van Heerden, can't punch. Like, he has fought a lot of guys that can't punch. Now he's going up two weight classes to face a guy that can punch. I don't see the pathway to victory here. I'm not saying it's a great idea. I'm not, all I'm saying is it's a calculated risk. 
That I, I, I so like why that is more, Virgil Ortiz Terrence like, Crawford not I like a this one risk. more than Virgil Ortiz. Yes. Uh, well, there's more money in it. That's the that's the only thing you can say about this matchup. There you there's go. more money in there it. There you go. When you weigh the pros and cons, I think this is a calculated smart risk by Connor Ben. And mind you, there's legacy, there's bloodline involved. There's like Absolutely. I said, that's, there, why there's a, a that's why it's that's why there's so much money in it. That's there's why. a story to sell. So if I had a father <laughs> I would like to retro, I would I like to revenge his oh, loss or whatever it is, but I don't. So you know, if I would have had someone like that in my life that that he came up short with someone else, you can bet that I would have stepped up, man. I would have taken I would have taken the name to another level. I would have st- Mannix, you have a dad. If your dad would have got beat by somebody, wouldn't you want to face somebody that's just a little bit bigger, just yeah. to? to Okay, but again, they fought to a draw the second time, so it's not exactly revenge. Yeah, but <laughs> the, the second no, fight, no, it wasn't a draw. It was a split didn't. decision loss. It was oh no, it was a draw. It was right. a draw. Yeah, yeah, that's the that wasn't. Yeah, I I think you're over or overreaching here. And it, look, if Connor Ben was like 31 years old, I might agree with you, but he's 25. And Sergio, is it going to be? How do you think he's going to go back down to welterweight after gaining 13 pounds for this fight? He's going to drop back down to welterweight and resume his career as a top prospect there if he loses badly? This, to me, is a cash-out. Simple as that. He's cashing out. He's going to make a lot of money, but this will be the end we see of Conor Ben in the high Oh, level. you're nuts. Okay. Maybe I agree. I, I might give you some credit with the cash-out because, like I said, this is a business. It's price fighting. You show me the money. I'll take the risk. But, no, he's one, he's not going to get knocked out, so how's it a cash-out? Two, he's going to make a boatload of money. If he makes it a competitive fight and comes up short, it's still going to be a learning experience. He can drop back down and wait, or he can you know, campaign at junior middleweight, go up and wait comfortably. He's fine. He's 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 a good-looking, very hard-punching kid that has a big following. It all depends how he loses that fight. If he gets knocked out, okay, it was a mistake. If he goes a distance, loses a close decision, it's a win-win. You know what was the best story behind Chris Eubank, Connor Ben, the the parents uh, in the second fight? Don King at the time had written into their contracts that the winner of the fight and the loser of the fight would both become part of Don King promotions. He <laughs> didn't write happened. in a draw. He didn't write in a draw. So neither one of them had to join Don King, which I was an that. amazing piece of bad lawyering or whoever wrote that contract up wow. uh, for Don King. All right, let's keep it over in the UK for a minute. And let's talk about Tyson Fury, uh, who unsurprisingly is looking to get back into the ring. Fury's been on social media and he wants to face Derek Chisora talking about completing the trilogy against Derek Chisora. Mind you, Fury's beaten Chisora twice pretty badly. Uh, about 10 years ago was the last fight. Uh, but Fury wants Derek Chisora part three. Chisora says he wants it. From what I've been told, they are massively apart in terms of money to the point that representatives are both have told me this fight is not going to happen. So I'll ask you this. Are you... I guess I don't think you'll be surprised that Fury wants to get back into the ring. But what do you make of Fury calling out Derek Chisora? It's the Gypsy King being a, a, a mastermind promoter, keeping his name in the mix, being popular. And Chisora is always in, in, in really entertaining fights, but he comes up short when it comes to fighters like Tyson Fury. He came up short twice already. He comes up short with every big name that Chisora he is. Look, all respect to him for beating Kubrat Pulev, but Kubrat Pulev was as washed as Chisora. Derek Chisora like, is, you got you always got to give him a chance against people to put up a good fight, but not to win. He's a heavyweight version of Gabe Rosado. Always in an entertaining... That's a good comparison. He's an entertaining, very, very liked, very popular soldier that loves going to war, 
but he doesn't come out with the victories or the triumphs. So when it all comes down to it, and they both have like a dozen losses, but they're the people's champ, right? But not against the real champ. You don't give him chances against the number one guy. You can give him chances against the number four or five guys or guys coming up in the mix, but no, not against Tyson Fury, especially if he's already come up short twice. Like, I want to see Chisora... If he wants to complete the trilogy against Kubrat Pulev, more power to you. Like, that's that's a fine fight for Chisora. The second fight was actually pretty entertaining. Let's see that fight. If he wants to face Dillian White in a third fight, I'd be go. okay with that I'm as fine well. With those Dillian two. White, yeah, those are okay. I don't want to see him against the best heavyweight in the nope. world. It doesn't make any sense. That's a way for Tyson Fury to cash a big check and not be in any danger. And that sort of fits Sergio with what Tyson's been doing since his uh, last fight, where he's calling out. You know, Naganu, the MMA champion. He's calling out now Derek Chisori. He's looking to do exhibitions more than he's looking to do actual competitive fights. But you and I both know Fury's future will be determined in less than two weeks when AJ and Usyk get mm-hmm. in the ring together in Saudi Arabia. The winner of that fight, there will be a mandate to face Tyson Fury to become the undisputed champion at heavyweight. That's the fight I want to see Tyson Fury in. And ultimately, that's the fight he's going to take, right? Like, that's the one yes, where the money's waiting. going to be behind it. And yeah, and he's waiting and doing what uh, a very smart heavyweight champion should do. Instead of staying inactive, get an easy fight against a fighter you know you'll beat easily and get a big paycheck. And that's why he's promoting that fight because the longer he stays out of the ring, the more he's going to look bad against the winner of an Usyk and AJ, especially if it's Usyk because he's a master boxer. So yeah, he doesn't want all that that rust to start piling up. I get why Tyson Fury's doing it. I just don't understand why you know promoters are considering putting that show or why fans will be interested in in that type of fight because no, it's 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 a one sided fight. And and look, it all comes down to Deontay Wilder, you know, not letting the heavyweight champion undisputed ever happen. I, I still go back to this. I have, I have this, 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 this bitterness, man, that, that, you know, we didn't get to see Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury for the biggest fight in boxing. That fight would have stopped the world for one night and it's not going to happen. Instead, we have, we're talking about Usyk. We're talking about other fighters that are not the two biggest names and Wilder's out of the mix now too. It, it, it's boxing. I, I get it, but no. Back to your question. We're, we're not going to get into this, but like, have you seen the video of Usyk lately? Like, he looks like a unit. He's huge. He looks like <laughs> he, a tank. This is, he looks like a tank. I have a lot of concerns about AJ's ability to win this fight. I have a lot of concerns because Usyk looks like a real heavyweight um, in his most recent training pictures. Look, if Tyson Fury... Yeah, I agree with you, by the way. I, mm. I, I think uh, Joshua, no matter who he has in his corner, uh, Usyk's just that damn skilled uh to make fighters especially big fighters his size to look bad but um uh, yeah it's it, it's gonna it's gonna have to be a one punch that changes things and where Usa goes on the defensive uh you know mode and then joshua starts to you know just bullying him around and he can win a decision i don't see him knocking out Usyk. it's gonna have to be a hard-fought decision that he wins um yeah yeah uh last thing you mentioned Deontay Wilder. Uh, he is reportedly set to return to the ring after a one-year layoff uh, on October 15th. His opponent, Robert Hellenius, who is coming off back-to-back knockout wins. I like that wins. fight, man. It's- yeah, back-to-back knockout wins over Adam Kavnowski. I love that fight. Yeah. That is the perfect mm-hmm. comeback fight for Deontay Wilder. Hellenius has credentials. Like, he is... Uh, the right guy, you know, because of those two wins over Kovnatsky. He's not some washed up guy at this point, even though he is 38 years old. And he's been knocked out before. Like Johan Duapas knocked him out. Gerald Washington knocked him out. So if Deontay Wilder has anything left in the tank, 
he's going to knock out Robert Hellenius and put himself in a position for, say, an Andy Ruiz fight potentially in the first quarter of 2023. This is, you know, I... I know it came at the cost of Adam Kovnowski because he lost those two fights, but this is absolutely the right matchmaker for PBC to make for Deontay Wilder. I'm not a big fan of being on pay-per-view, but this is where we are in beautiful, 2023. Beautiful matchmaking. It's going to sell. It's going to be the perfect fight for Deontay Wilder who's coming off back-to-back losses against a guy that's coming off back-to-back wins. It's a marketable fight. Two big men with two of the best names in boxing, the Bronze Bomber and the Nordic Nightmare. Come on, they're just, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be the complete opposite of of each other and both of them are big guys. It's going to look good on television. People are going to want to watch and it's a perfect style matchup for Wilder who who fights taller fighters better. I think uh, Hellenius, he struggles with taller fighters. Uh, Duapas was uh, six foot five around there. He came up short with, uh, uh, what was the other guy that he came up short with? Joe uh, Washington, yeah, another yeah. huge guy, yeah. I think it was. So he doesn't do well against uh, big fighters. I think he does better against shorter fighters. Uh, and Wilder, we know that he faced the biggest heavyweight out there in, in Fury. So he must he's gonna he, he's gonna learn off that experience. And it's a great great matchup that ends in a knockout. I think Wilder knocks him out. Yeah, and look, if he does, he's right back into that heavyweight mix, into big fights. Um, and if he doesn't. You know, we'll know. If he doesn't dominate Robert Hellenius, we'll know there's probably not a lot left. Wilder will be 37 years old a week after that fight. So so what? He cashed out. And he did. Oh, and, and he, he did it in out and he one of the great the heavyweight stages. trilogies of all time, if not the greatest heavyweight trilogy of all time. Like, it was a great, great uh, series of fights with uh, Tyson Fury. So, well, we'll see what happens in that fight. And uh, maybe we'll see you in Vegas there, Sergey. Thinking about it, aren't you? Hey, listen, I'm thinking about it. I had a good day in the stock market. If this week continues, I, I just might have to go blow it on roulette. I can't believe you're basing your short-term future on the penny stocks that you're trading on E-Trade. No, 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 no. It's not penny <laughs> stocks, my friend. And uh, yeah, American Express had a good day. Yeah, let's go. When we come back, my conversation with Teofimo Lopez. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. So the NFL Week 1 odds are out, and now it's time to try FanDuel Sportsbook if you haven't already. Get in on the action early this season. Right now, new FanDuel Sportsbook customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. What NFL futures bet would you make with a no-sweat bet? Pick local teams, players where applicable, go to the FanDuel Sportsbook app to find out more options. For example, can the Rams repeat at plus 1100 would you take Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor to win the rushing title? Will Kyler Murray and the Cardinals beat the eight and a half win total? Me, I'm a Patriots fan. So I'm looking at everything related to Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. Just sign up using the promo code BOXING to place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. There's no better place to get ready for the football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using the promo code BOXING to get started with the no-sweat first bet 
up to $1,000. That's promo code BOXING. All right, Teofimo Lopez is the former 135-pound champion. On Saturday, he will take the first step towards becoming a two-division champion when he takes on Pedro Campa. That's a fight you can watch on ESPN, and Teofimo joins me here on the show. Teofimo, been a little while, man. Six, seven months. Good to see you back back in the mix, my friend. Uh, it's great to be back, and thank you for having me, for real. Um, just, it's great to be back in my sport that I love, and Honestly, looking forward to Saturday night, August 13th, against Pedro Campa. So how does 140 pounds feel on you? Oh, man, it feels amazing. Uh, it's something that has been long overdue, honestly. I think for like two years, I should have made this weight. I should have been on this weight already two years ago. But, you know, God works in mysterious ways. You know, I think I had to become world champion at 35 for us to, to come up here. So it's just a, it's a great feeling overall. Um, it's less stress on my body. And really just now we're on cruise control. Yeah, what what are you able to do differently? How is training different now that you don't have to cut those extra five pounds? <laughs> Honestly, um, I'm able to basically take more in, intake on protein, you know, uh, basically eat more. Um, those five four, those five pounds, four or five pounds is a huge difference. Uh, for anyone that's in the sport of boxing or even in combat sports, they know. So it's um it's definitely all about just um making sure that we don't lose the the main foundation and that's uh staying staying conditioned, you know, and not trying to build too much muscle mass, you know, because that could also slow you down. You know, I'm a very elusive fighter, very quick twitch, and um this whole Turnaround really at 140 has just been amazing. Um, this whole camp, I feel great. I feel amazing. And I really can't wait to showcase that on Saturday night on ESPN. So along those lines, like compare how you are feeling physically now to how you were feeling physically going into the last fight against Cambosis. Physically, um, I would say this time around, rather than from the Cambosis, um, I don't feel as dry, so to speak. My body doesn't feel as dry. I don't feel, um, and I don't feel too, uh, I'm less injuries, so to speak, you know, and I think that's a huge major factor for me as a, you know, combat sport. I mean, there's so much contact that we do. So um, I try to go in the fight as close as possible to 100%, you know, and sometimes it doesn't really happen, um, especially at 35, you know, I was breaking down my body, a lot of wear and tear, you know, and I think the huge factor and the difference now is that I don't have to really worry about that. My body's starting to realize that we're not going to go down to 35. You know, we're going to stay at 140 and and just work our way and build up from there. Yeah, I was on with Max Kellerman the same day that you were last week, and he was asking me about, you know, what do you expect from Teofimo? I said, look, I think Teofimo at his best is probably the best at 140. Like He is really good he's still atop his game what what I'm curious about with Teofimo going into this fight is going in healthy going in physically right going in mentally right because you know being around you before the Cambosis fight and I've been around you for a lot of your fights early in your career going back to the Olympics I mean you had a lot going on in your personal life going into the Cambosis fight it didn't feel like you were mentally all the way there going into that fight has that stuff been resolved in your life as you go into this fight 
Absolutely. Absolutely, Maddox. I mean, everything happens for a reason. You know, God works in mysterious ways. And, uh, and I, like I said before, and I love it. I'm, I'm truly I'm truly grateful for the journey that I'm actually going through right now. You know, um, it's great to it's great to fail because in during those times is when you really get to know yourself more. You know, you get to know whether you how bad do you really want this? You know, does it does it break you or does it make you? You know, and I, and I can't really wait to honestly showcase that to you all, you know, and see the um, not just just a different type of where I'm at mentally. It's how it's more so to see and let you guys see um, how I really am in physical form. You know, and I think that's going to be the major key to to where I become a two time um, two divisional two division uh, weight world champion. So all those things really is what I'm really looking forward to becoming undisputed once again and just shooting for high, high expectations for everything, you know, um, becoming the greatest of, of, of my era, you know, not just the, you know, I came back into this, you know, I'm already great. I just came back to add the EST at the end. <laughs> you and you hadn't spent any time with your son before that Cambosis fight. What's it like having spent this time and being a father? Oh, it's amazing. Honestly, my life has definitely changed because of it. And it's the I honestly believe to to everyone out there having a child, having a kid is honestly a blessing from from the heavens above. You know, and I think that uh, we really got to be more considerate about that. It's changed my perspective immensely and and about how I need to carry myself moving forward. What do I want to do? You know, it's not about. Yes, the takeover is all about we're going to take over the sport. We're going to do what we do. Be number one. However, it's more so now since I have my son, it's about leaving so much behind for him that he knows how to structure when he gets of age. So it's definitely changed everything for me. And it's also influenced me more to even instill that in other people's children. You know, you, as we talked about, kind of you were, weren't all the way right going into the Cambosis fight. I know that fight was delayed multiple times and you just wanted to get out there. You wanted to get this, <laughs> get through that fight and get past it as opposed to having another delay down the line. But as you look back, do you regret going through with that fight? No, not at all. It's made me who I am today. I had to go through that and and God made sure of it. You know, I had to go through near death experience to really understand uh, my values as a human being and as a person and what I really, what am I here for in this sport? You know, what am I here for in this world? Really? You know, um, I'm just grateful to even have a voice and to have people even come out to listen. You know, and it's all about finding the right tunes to everyone. You know, this really has definitely changed my life in a, in, in a, a much positive way. And I thank God every day for it. You know, I thank him because back, you remember in the Olympics, um, it was so much corruption in 2016. I mean, but we don't need to t- touch in on that. <laughs> however, however, it's um, because of that failure, I became the, the second youngest uh, undisputed like, um, champion in boxing history you know, after that failure. So I'm just excited to see what this failure is going to bring on to me for, for more of my successes, really. You know, that's a great perspective because, yeah, you, you know, you got screwed over, I think, a couple of times in the Olympic cycle um, and then exit in that first round. And, and you took that and you were not one of the most celebrated signings coming out of the Olympics, but you quickly became the most successful guy coming out of the Olympics. And so you're saying kind of you use that experience as motivation and you'll use this most recent experience of failure as motivation absolutely that's the only way a a true champion looks at he should look at adversity and at life you know when you go through failure it's not saying that you suck but that's the first step to success 
you know, and you really got to change your narrative, you know, and uh, and you see all the greats. I mean, they've all talked about it from the Michael Jordans to Kobe Bryant to uh, even to Tiger Woods and all these guys from all different sports. They really talk about their failures is what made them great. And that's really what I'm here to put on, too. That's why we call it the take back, the take over. And it's really just to to um, I want to be up there as well with them. And I will. The, um, you talk. You talked about kind of what the medical issue that was revealed after the fight. Has that been resolved? Are you comfortable medically going into this fight? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I'm definitely in a much better place physically now. You know, um, no more injuries. Thankfully, you know, coming into this fight, I believe I'm about like 90% in healthy. So, you know, um, and that that is very high. It's a high ratio for me, especially. So you are going to see uh, the Magdalena, Magdaleno type of uh, performance mixed with the Mason Menard performance mixed with so many other things that, you know, everyone is just going to, it's just an eye candy performance that I'm really going to put out. You know, I'm a performer at the end of the day and I'm here to uh, really show and let everyone know, you know, I am the guy, you know, I'm not someone that is just uh, here for a moment. You know, I'm here to stay forever. And it's really just those things, the complications that I had, you know, it's great. It's great that, um, we, we're working on that now. And I know that a lot of it had to do because of the weight class at 135. I know that for a fact. And um, I'm just grateful now because I had to learn from that to not stay longer than I need to when my body's telling me it's time to move. So now it's just all about listening to my body and uh, just moving forward from there. When you watched Devin Haney beat Cambosis, what went through your I mind? I didn't watch the fight. I was actually in New York City during the time and I was riding a bike. I was riding one of those city bikes and uh, just listening to music because, um, you know, honestly, I, I kind of figured I, I know that if, if I'm in the sport of boxing, then you got to know the business of the sport of boxing. And um, and honestly, I already knew that Haney was going to win. So there's no point in watching something that that I'm either going to fall asleep watching or like um, or just know that I already know the uh, the end result. So it's no point. I'd rather go and connect more with um, with life, really. Hmm. If Cambosis, one way or the other, moves up to 140, does a rematch interest you? Uh, yeah, for sure, definitely. That's definitely something that that'll definitely come around, you know. And and this time around, he won't, you know, I won't be the one dying. He'll be the one feeling that. So, you know, I look forward for him moving up to 140. I think that's only that's the best shot that he really has, though, to stay um, to stay relevant because Devin Haney's going to beat him again. Um, and, and honestly, no one's going to care about Cambosis. So he's going to have to move up at 140 and I'll gladly take that fight. You know, however, I'm focused on all these world title belts. Um, so in the meantime, just focusing on, on my main goal right now, looking great August 13th. And then we'll go from there. I spent some time Teo around Virgil Ortiz last week and he had a rough year kind of as well. Uh, a lot of critics, a lot of doubters after he pulled out of that fight against Michael McKinson. And he said it was a hard year for him and he used all that going into uh, that fight he had this past weekend. Use the criticism. Do you kind of, does that fuel you going into a fight like this? Um, no, it used to. It used to, I will say. It used to fuel me. Now it's more so about just, uh, it feels, uh, that doesn't fuel me. What fuels me is knowing that I am that I am, I am who I, I, who I always said I am. And honestly is the best entertainer fighter in the game, you know? And I think that's just really what, what fuels me more than ever, you know, just basically um, putting on for God, you know, representing him mainly, you know, uh, I'm a child of God and I just focus on just 
performing at my best just so that he could see that, you know, um, you know, and when after my fight, I'm just going to I'm going to grant him and thank him for everything that he has done in my life. And and hopefully, you know, it could tap into all those kids around the world, you know, put some light in everybody and just uh, move forward. You and your father have had a lot of success together as fighter and trainer. But when things go wrong, people wonder, will the fighter make changes and changes usually means in the corner. Um, was there any thought in your mind about either bringing someone in to work with your father, replacing your father? What was your mindset there? No, no. Um, it's a dynamic duo, man, to, to the wheels fall off. You know, me and my father, I had so many. I mean, Mannix, I had so many people call me and text me afterwards. I mean, people that smile in front of my father's face, you know, and give him a pat on the back and just say, hey, you should leave him and 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 come to come to our side. You know, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to be rude and say that I know everything because I don't. You know, I still learn. I'm still learning to this day, you know, and that's the greatest thing that I can say about life and, and what I do in my craft. You know, my father, though, is the one that really he knows me best. He's seen me at my worst. He's seen me at my best, you know, and he's going to be the one that definitely is going to tell me the things that I really need to uh, uh, to focus on, on how can I beat this guy? I trust him. I trust him with my life. And honestly, it's um, it's really just a. Uh, just focusing, honestly, I didn't even want, I didn't need or want a assistant coach for this fight. You know, um, we had talks of other people that wanted to come in and maybe do some some collaborations with that would have made a, probably, it would have caught more eyes. You know, however, I'm someone that is, uh, I'm loyal to the T, you know, and 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 I got to, and I, I just want everyone to see that, you know, my father didn't become trainer of the year just by, just by, uh, by luck. You know, in 2020, you know, we beat the most decorated fighter pound for pound during that time, Vasily Lomachenko. That was from him. You know, he told me how the game plan had to go. So I just really want to give my father his flowers, especially for this fight and let everyone let them be known. Let it be known to everyone out there that that man is always going to be in my corner. And if anyone got something to say about it, you can meet me. You can meet me in that ring. (laughs) Yeah, your father, I mean, it's what have you done for me lately, isn't it? I mean, like your father is the guy that was guiding you through Richard Comey, through Vasily Lomachenko, the best year of your professional career. And mm-hmm. you know, now it's, you know, one loss and everybody's looking to... Like, to re- that's, I'll say this, Mannix, that's the problem with today's... Uh, I don't want to say with everything, but that's the problem with today's world. You know, just because you have one defeat doesn't mean that you got to go and switch up, you know? Just because something goes wrong or whatever doesn't mean that you just got to forget where it started. You know, I think that's the, what people don't really tap into. I don't need to. And the thing is, with all these other trainers, I'm sorry. They don't know shit about boxing. A majority of them. And if anything, they just want to they want to grasp onto me and say that they built something like that. You know, what better way, right, Mannix, to try to train somebody else when they're coming back in a comeback fight, knowing the fighters determined to want to win this right and needing to win this and then take credit for it. You know, say that they they made me and they did this. Uh, I'm not one to have that, you know, and I don't want to teach. I don't want to teach these coaches how how I actually think and how I actually move. You know, if you don't if you're not on the same pace with me, you're wasting my time. And I Mm -hmm. see that with a lot of coaches. And what's what 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 does a main ego coach do? They try to stimulate your your style into their style. And and what happens is that the whole time you're focusing on trying to perfect their style that you're not really thinking in the ring. And that's the thing that a lot of these fighters, because they're not educated enough, uh, they don't really tap into that. They're just like, okay, I got to go over here because I lost. No, you don't. You just got to go back to the drawing board and, and stay loyal to the team that, you, that, that started with you. 
No question. And look, you're now in a position with top rank having a lot of those top fighters at 140 pounds. Like, you'll get that title shot very quickly, I'm assuming. I'm, assu- I'm guessing that in those discussions with top rank, there are big opportunities immediately ahead of you. Absolutely. You know, I know that the, right now the vacant belts, the vacant belts right now are somewhat, I guess, already taken. So, you know, Josh Taylor is still talking about getting married and all this other stuff. I honestly... <laughs> Uh, we can make that fight happen. You know, I, I try to make the fight happen with Taya, with Cattaro and stuff like that. However, you know, as we can see, you know, um, I really don't have no say right now. You know, this was a top rank executive move and 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 it kind of makes me feel some type of way. But I understand, you know, I, I'm a fighter to the day I die. And I'm someone that definitely loves to take every challenge and every fight, you know, and I don't duck no fight. So, you know, but it, it kind of made me realize I got to, how do I, how do I come back to take over and set the tone Saturday night, August 13th against Pedro Campos when it starts? Well, it's good to have you back, Teo. Boxing's better uh, with you in it. Hope to see you in big fights uh, very soon. Thanks for joining me, man. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. <laughs> when we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cotto Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for this week's picks, brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. And yes... The hot streak continued last week. 
not the most difficult fight to predict, I'll grant you. But I told you to bet Virgil Ortiz, he won. I told you to bet Virgil Ortiz by knockout, and even though it got a little bit tricky in there for him, he wound up stopping Michael McKinson in the ninth round of his fight. So I hope you bet. Hope you got rich. The big fight this weekend, Teofimo Lopez against Pedro Campa. Again, this is not a fight with great odds because for Lopez, it is a comeback fight. It is supposed to be a fight that he wins relatively easily. Right now, he is at minus 3,000, according to FanDuel. That's not a great number, but it's almost a mortal lock that Teofimo Lopez wins this fight against Campa, who has never really fought anyone on the level of Lopez. The odds get a little bit better when you're looking at method of victory. Lopez is minus 410 to win by knockout. I think he's coming into this fight with something to prove. He's got a chip on his shoulder in the aftermath of the loss to Cambosis. Campa, he just doesn't have the firepower to keep Lopez off him. I think Lopez had a better camp. I think things are settled down in his personal life. I think he comes out and makes a statement in his return, knocks out Pedro Campa. So take Teofimo Lopez to win. Take him to win by knockout. Those are my picks brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sergio Mora and Teofimo Lopez for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.